0: Welcome to the Mobile Home Park Mastery Podcast, where you will learn how to identify, evaluate, negotiate, perform due diligence on, finance, turn around, and operate mobile home parks. And now, here is your host, the fifth largest mobile home park owner in the United States, Frank Rolf. In 2013, we received a phone call from a writer with the New York Times named Gary Rivlin. He was writing an article in the mobile home park industry. I Googled up his name and I saw rapidly that he's very anti-business. His most recent book back then was called Broke USA, How Payday Lenders and Pawn Shops Ruined America. And I looked at the list of his other contributions to the literary world and they were all very, very anti-business. So I said, hey, Gary, I'm looking you up right now on Google. It looks like you write nothing but negative articles on business. He said, yeah, that is kind of my forte. I said, well, if you're trying to get information that you can skew negative on the park industry, I have a better, fresher idea for you. Why don't you actually learn more about what you're doing before you write that negative article? And who knows, maybe it would be more enlightening for your readership. You said, well, how would I do that? I said, well, why don't you come out to our boot camp? We have one coming up in Florida Uh, that would not be that far from Manhattan for you to get to. We'll give you a free ticket. And... He said, okay, I'll come down and do that. So we came down to boot camp, and then he said, I want to go live in one of your mobile home parks for a week and see what it's really like. So we took an abandoned mobile home in a park of his choosing. We put in furniture from rent center and he lived in it for a week while walking around the neighborhood talking to people about their experience living in the mobile home park. Then the article came out in 2014, and we were absolutely amazed by all the information that it shared and all the unusual positions it took Based on his past writings, this is Frank Croft, the Mobile Home Park Mastery podcast series. We recently unearthed the transcription of an interview I did with Gary after the article came out. I thought it'd be very interesting to show you real life how someone who's so anti-business and was so anti-mobile home park could suddenly flip around and become positive about the industry after they actually had experienced it. So, these are some of the transcriptions I wanted to read to you. So. I talked to Gary on the front end about the fact that he always writes negative stuff. And this is what he tells me. He says, yes, I was writing about the poverty ink industry where there's all these businesses that counterintuitively make a lot of money when people have no money. So a pawnbroker, you go to a pawnbroker if you have no cash. You go to a payday lender for short-term two-week loans if you have no money, but you just hope that in two weeks you do have it to pay it back. It wasn't a coincidence that my head was in that place and I approached you about attending one of Mobile Home use weekends. Really what I was thinking about that really made me want to do this story was that all these people lost their homes after 2008. There were foreclosures, 11 million or something like that in that year. So I was just wondering, where do you end up? You lose your job, unemployment, and essentially doubled. Where do you end up if you can't afford your home, you can't afford your apartment? So that got me interested in trailer parks. It was just like, hmm, if you want to talk about what is going on in this country, like a downward mobility through tough economic times, I was just interested in the trailer park. To say it differently, mobile homes didn't really sit right to my construct of businesses that make a lot of money by people having no money. You need to have a few hundred dollars or whatever to pay for a park. Yes, I was just really interested in the, shall we say, linear edges of the economy. So here we can see Gary's position. And then he proceeds on. Well, you know, you know better than I do, there's different kinds of players in the mobile home park industry. There's a mobile home equivalent of a slumlord. I would actually lump them in with a check cashier or with a payday lender. What those businesses are about, the slumlord version, is we are going to give you as little service as we possibly can to get as much money as we can. And things like fixing leaks and that kind of stuff is just going to cost them money. So Why do it if it's just going to get into your profits? I actually think there is something very corporate about the way you all approach the business that, for better or for worse, really makes it stand apart from other trailer parks. So that tells you initially what happened here, right? So he's very negative on the industry, and then we bring him to the boot camp, and he learns that we don't talk about ever being a slumlord. It's a terrible idea. In fact, the whole point of being a mobile home park owner is to operate with the focus of providing a really good value for the customer, a really good product, a nice product that you can get financing on from a large lender. So he was a little initially taken back from his original preconceived notions by when he found out that it's really a more professional investment strategy than what he thought. But then where he really turned the corner is when he went out and lived in the mobile home park for a week. So here were some of his thoughts from living in the mobile home park it was not scary in the least. It was a little bit lonely. I think it was very quiet. Weirdly, it was kind of nice. If I walked in the back, I could have seen ducks on the lake. No, it was a pretty peaceful place. The trailer next door just happened to have those three guys who were renting it. I don't think they were paying the rent. I think someone else was, and they just put migrant workers up there. So they got up at five or some ridiculously early time to go to work. Plus, I didn't sleep as late as I might have wanted. You know, each trailer is more or less on top of the next. My bedroom was a few feet away from, I guess, 15 feet away from theirs. I really enjoyed it. I did not know what to expect. I understood that a lot of the popular images of a trailer park you get from a movie where people are skinning squirrels and eating them, drinking beer, watching soap operas during the day, and cooking meth, and plotting to poison the well so the drinking water. I knew that it was cliche, but I didn't know what to expect. Basically, what I did for the next three days was just walk around. I met people and it was really interesting to get people's stories. The first thing I noticed walking around is that I say three quarters, at least definitely over half to maybe three quarters of the trailers were fixed up in some way, meaning they had bothered to build a little deck or put a flower garden or plant trees or have chimes or put out a sign that says Walt lives here and kind of put that thing out front. That really struck me. Okay, this is a community. People live here and really want to have that sense of home, which I think contradicts what a lot of people might think of a trailer park, then getting into people's trailers in one of two ways. I walked around and one of the first people I met was this retiree who'd been at Pontoon Beach, I think, since the late 1970s. She used to be a full-time worker. She worked at a clinic taking blood, the Dracula job, I think she called it. It was $285 a month for the dirt rent. She owned her unit straight out. She had a pretty new SUV, a little Honda SUV in front. She was just living the life as she knew it. She didn't have a big mortgage, she didn't have rent. She had a reasonably inexpensive small hut. It wasn't inexpensive to heat, but it was small. She was the first person I talked to, and she was almost, I was good in her view of us struggling to pay the mortgage or the on the rent every month, whereas she lived cheaply. So then he goes on, talking to another person in the park. She was working minimum wage at a bakery in town. Her boyfriend was working minimum wage, if not at Taco Bell, someplace like that, and she was pretty happy because they were paying 560 bucks a month. They had an older trailer than I did, but it was a big one. Again, it was three bedrooms, two baths, and they had a kid. She felt safer there than she would in a really run-down apartment. So another single mom with two kids, two teenagers, she was selling crud on eBay. It gave her enough room to do that, and she was happy. Pretty much everyone I met was pretty happy. That is not only a compliment for you, that they were happy with the management. I think they were just sort of happy to keep their monthly rent really low so they wouldn't have to work as hard or struggle for money every month. Another resident he talked to, they had bought, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was a 15 or 20 grand mobile home. They bought a trailer 10 or more years ago in Pontoon Beach. Again, they just didn't want to have to work as hard. He was a salesman. A year or two after he bought the place, suddenly he just started having these terrible back problems. Here was a guy who just flew and drove. He was a traveling salesman. He had to travel all the time for his work, and suddenly he couldn't work. So for four years of fighting for disability and stuff, his wife, ironically enough, is a physical therapist. They had somehow survived that four years because it's such a relatively cheap monthly for their housing, whereas if they had been in the house they were living in prior, it would have been a disaster. Right there, they would have fallen behind on their mortgage, and then their bank would have seized it, and they would have desperately had to find someplace and didn't have any income at all. So that really struck with me because they were so fortuitous. They had made this decision earlier, and it really turned out to save them a lot of heartache in their life. So you can see what happened here is that Gary went from being so negative on the product to so positive initially, simply because the people were happy. They were satisfied, they were living life and enjoying it, and he couldn't make sense of that. He came into the park as a very negative anti-business person. He'd been doing articles on payday lenders and pawn shops and how cruel they were and what an endless cycle it was when you borrow from a payday lender. Now here he is in a product where you have a company that's appealing to customers, many of which don't have a lot of income, who might use payday lenders and pawn shops, but they're offering this great product and the people are loving it. So it's very, very hard for him to write a negative article when all around him, every single person he met is very, very happy with the product. But he also, in his time of living in the mobile home park, became a big fan of the business model. I thought I would read you a couple quotes from that. Here's what Gary said. What is so fascinating about your industry, and I didn't appreciate this walking in, which is another thing I learned, is that there is a finite number of these things. In fact, arguably they are reducing because no municipality is going to have allowed more of them, and occasionally they are sold off and turned into a shopping center and all. So talk about supply and demand. I mean, how are they going to always be worth something? In a capitalist economy, there's always going to be winners and losers. There are like 10 million people on disability in this country, which means they are living on under a thousand dollars a month. There's always going to be a need for people to be someplace relatively safe and relatively comfortable. I'd be shocked if this wasn't a good industry in 50 years. The only thing you could change that is if suddenly there was a change in the heart with municipalities saying, you know something, What we really need in this country is more affordable housing, so we're going to allow a lot more trailer parks, but that's not going to happen, and you know that. He later went on to say, Funny, as you pointed out, as I learned at your boot camp, you can get land that is outside an unincorporated area, but then it is prohibitive to put the utilities out there, so give that there's a finite number. I just have to say that this has to be a good industry. The only way to blow it is to not know what you are doing and pay too much for a trailer park because you heard someone like me say, Hey, there's a finite number. Just own one and you're going to make money. Well, if you pay the right price, that's true. I'd imagine this is going to be an interesting little niche for years to come, and maybe even more so if the lifestyle choice people, the fancier, less affordable versions, really take off like I think it could. So here we have Gary Rivlin, a writer for the New York Times, who's so very negative on business, hates all of it, very anti-capitalist, suddenly falling in love with the mobile home park business. I thought it was a very, very unusual transformation and worthy of talking about here on the podcast, simply because you rarely see someone who go to such diametric opposing extremes that they come into a business as a true hater and they exit it as a true believer and a true lover. It's very, very unusual, particularly for a guy like this who writes nothing but negative articles for a career. Again, this is Frank Croft, the Mobile Home Park Mastery podcast series. Hope you enjoyed this. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Mobile Home Park Mastery podcast. Be sure to visit us at MHPMastery.com to subscribe to the show, read our show transcriptions, and access all of our great information on mobile home park investing.